0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwash Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is a podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. Well, it was a few minutes ago. I assume it's still the same. So keep listening. Now, if you want to contact us, there's a few ways you can do it. You can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. Please leave a return number. No point ringing anonymously and not leaving a number. I don't know everybody in the world. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. And if you're not a legacy kind of postal person there's lots of things you can do you can go to the youtube public interest before corporate interests uh, websites org, instagram, instagram facebook. facebook joseph toscano toscano for the public and it just goes on and on and on there's tons of stuff there on the internet just put up my name it'll all be there and uh enjoy yourselves if you wonder what anarchy is all about, no, it's not about self promotion. An anarchist society is based on the concept of the definition. Do you like that? The definition of the word anarchos and what it basically means is without rulers. Now, there are a lot of very intelligent intellectuals and a lot of sectarians out there who think they know what anarchism is or isn't. And then obviously there's a lot of ignorant people who think they know and don't know what anarchism is. It's a simple concept. It's creating a society without rulers. So if you go back to first principles, what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Very simply, inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to share or devolve power, possibly through direct democratic uh, means and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. So if you're involved in that struggle, I'm sorry, i got some really bad news. We'll push you out of the closet. You're an anarchist. That's the way it goes. If you're involved in the struggle to share power, share wealth, whether you acknowledge it or not, you're part of a growing movement around the planet. Okay, Code red for humanity, business as usual for Australia. That's why I like to live in the country where per head of population we have the greatest CO2 emissions in the world. That's per head of population. Now, usually I don't look at the Murdoch media but unfortunately, I had to buy some petrol yesterday, I think, or the day before, when the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report came out, and I thought, being an idiot, that it would be front-page news. I'm sorry, it wasn't, as far as the Murdoch media is concerned. Most of its outlets, it was page 17. Okay? Okay. Code red for humanity, business as usual for Australia. So why do we find ourselves in this situation in the 21st century where climate change or the climate emergence, whatever you like to call it, has become a reality? or it's been a reality for a long time, but now we have the science. Yeah, I know, the science, to confirm that. Now, unfortunately, in this country, we have good science and bad science, Now, good science is science that helps the status quo to survive, like the scientific uh, analysis regarding COVID-19. Bad science, very bad science, evil science, is the science which challenges capitalism. That's right. Challenges the concept of private investment for private profit. That's all capitalism is capitalism is you may do a doctoral thesis on it but it's about private investment for private profit so why is there so much resistance in this country to tackle the issue of the climate emergency when we because of the poverty of the soil in this country because of the size of the country because of the Climate variability will be at the cutting edge in terms of natural disasters and agricultural failures and lack of water as temperatures increase. Not only that, but as sea levels rise, we are going to lose a whole culture. All those people who live in the Torres Strait will be inundated already on Saibai, which is the furthest northern part of Australia, which is an island about three kilometres from the Papua New Guinea coast, already their gardens, their gardens which they rely on for their agricultural production, are under seawater. And we will see a huge rush of refugees, not just from the Torres Strait, from the whole of the Pacific region as the water levels rise so what are we going to do we're going to turn them back are we going to turn them back obviously not so why is it business as usual because to do something productive about climate change we need to move away from the concept of private investment for private profit whether it's your traditional dirty capitalism or green capitalism at the end of the day it's the same thing private investment for private profit so we are being asked to make major changes which will have economic consequences for significant sections of the Australian community and in a society where the social security system has holes big enough to let an elephant fall through People facing the prospect of unemployment, indebted up to their necks, involved in businesses which continue to produce CO2 emissions at unacceptable levels, will fight tooth and nail to survive. Now if we want to tackle climate change, we need to think seriously about introducing a universal basic Income For each and every Australian Simple A universal basic income And as I said before We can finance it today We don't need blood in the streets We don't need to do human sacrifices You know, it's simple A 1% stock market turnover tax Bingo Anywhere between 50 to $75 billion a year A 1% turnover tax Bingo Another $150 billion You know tightening the loopholes, taking back our resources and using the profits made from this country's natural resources, we could deal with the significant issues that face Indigenous communities around the country as well as, you know, fund a universal basic income. So, So the plan. Now, there are some very, 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 very stupid people in this country... Now, I had the misfortune to hear the Deputy Prime Minister, Mr. Barnaby Choice, being interviewed. Now, he is the second most senior member of the government. He is the Deputy Prime Minister. And he was saying to the person who was interviewing him, Where's the plan? Where's the plan? Where's the plan? And I'm thinking to myself, You're Deputy Prime Minister. You're in the Cabinet. You're the head of the National Party. That's your job. You create the plans. You want us to create the plan to tackle climate change. This is the height of stupidity as far as this <laughs> this situation is concerned. As I said before at the beginning of the program, this is going to be a fun program because it's really sad, but it's fun because... Vested interests now control the federal government. Remember our current Prime Minister walked into Federal Parliament for piece and Coal and said, this is OK, this is good. I would have loved him to have eaten it, but that's a different story. But the thing is, <laughs> where's the plan? We've got a government who has no plan. We have a government which doesn't accept the science because it's bad science, because it it upsets the profits of vested interests in this country. The fossil fuel industry gas and coal, and the list goes on and on. We have a national party which is more interested in supporting agribusiness and the resources sector than it's actually interested in preserving the land. And they tell us, where's the plan? That's what you're elected into the job to do. If there is a problem, you have a plan. And that's the problem with the incredibly shrinking Prime Minister we have today. I don't know if you've noticed the Prime Minister's kind of getting smaller and smaller and smaller, in stature, but smaller in terms of people's opinion of him and his government because they have no plan. No plan for COVID-19 because now, by now, we should have all been, those of us who wanted to be vaccinated, should have all been, been vaccinated. And to a significant degree, the current lockdowns and issues around the dealing with COVID-19, are directly related to this government not having the foresight or a plan to deal with the pandemic. No plan. And almost 18 months down the track, there is still no plan. We're told, oh, the Pfizer's coming, Moderna's coming, this is coming, and we hear people turning up at vaccination sites and being turned away turned away people who want to be vaccinated so if you think this government has any plans as far as you know the climate emergency is concerned think again they are hostages to the fossil fuel industry which continues to pump money into their coffers, which continues to dominate the thinking in the legacy media, which continues to set the agenda every day. So while it's code red for humanity, it's business as usual for Australia because you know something? I didn't realise this. We don't actually live on planet Earth. Did you know that? And did you know that if we close our borders? Those nasty CO2 emissions are not going to come across this country and we're not going to have any issues, are we? So business as usual, code red for humanity. And while I'm thinking about it, I was thinking about the dealer addict. You know there's the, the dealer addict kind of symbiotic relationship. The dealer needs the addict and the addict needs the dealer. Well, what do Australia and China have in common? A lot. Coal exports. Coal exports. China continues to build coal-fired power stations. And where does the coal come from? Australia. Where are the dealers. They're the addict. They're beginning to realise they do have a problem in China as far as emissions are concerned because of the degradation of the landscape and the agricultural sector and uh, the pollution... But we say, come on, come on, here, have some more coal. It's cheaper this week. Have some more coal. I'll give you some free coal. It's all right. So think about it. We are part of the problem. Now, I notice that our beloved Prime Minister and Deputy Prime Minister keep saying, well, China is responsible 25% of global emissions. Well, China is about 25% of the world's population. But when we look at actually the emissions per head of population we win the gold medal. We have won the gold medal year after year for e- after year. Now, look, I'm not much of a fan of conservative governments, but when it comes to governments dealing with this, look at the Johnson Boris Johnson-led government in England, which is pushing, pushing the Australian government to take the climate emergency seriously. So... If you think it's going to be business as usual, it's not going to be business as usual. Already we are beginning to feel the pain. And what's even more incredible is as we move towards a federal election, Mr Morrison and Mr Mr. Joyce are now pushing the city-regional divide card, all right? They've pushed, in the past, they've pushed the refugee card, the asylum seeker card, the indigenous card, the migrant card, the unemployed card, the bludgers card. It goes on and on. But now, if you listen to them closely, it's the regional city divide. Well, I live in the regions. I've been living in the regions now for over two years, and I can tell you there is no divide. There may be a divide in terms of rhetoric, but there is no divide in terms of people understanding that the climate emergency will have profound impacts for them, their children and their grandchildren. And for us to be sucked into this city, regional, rural divide uh, battle is totally ridiculous because whether you love it, like it or not, we all live on planet Earth. Now, I thought today, as I feel in a good mood, because things are so crappy out there, that I'd talk about climate change for dummies, which I've spoken about before. Now, now, I remember in the 70s and 80s, remember terrariums were all the go. You know, you had this little glass bubble and you had these beautiful plants underneath which you watered and loved and... The plants grew and it was all very lovely. Then you got bored and you forgot to water it and they all died, okay? Well, let's look at the earth as a terranium, all right? Think of the earth as a terranium, a big glass bubble. Now, on the earth, we have plants and we have people and we have animals, obviously, and we have air. But it's a fixed system, it's a finite system. We don't have fleets of spaceships, although some billionaires would like to, <laughs> taking us to Mars so we can destroy another planet. No, it's a fixed entity. The Earth is a fixed entity. I mean, one of the early anarchist uh, intellectuals, Peter Kropotkin, spoke about this very concept of the Earth being a fixed entity, and this was in the 19th century. The idea of Gaia, the idea of the earth being one bubble, one symbiotic, cooperative organism, came through many of his writings, fields, factories and workshops is one of the most important. But it is a fixed entity. We have an atmosphere, and outside their atmosphere... There's nothing. There's no oxygen. We have a fixed land mass. Occasionally an island will bubble up, bubble there, and occasionally a cliff will fall here and fall there. But it's a fixed land mass. So what has happened in the last few hundred years to change this balance? Well, a number of things have happened. The first thing that's happened is increasing population growth. From a population of less than a billion, less than a billion, 150 years ago, we are now pushing 8 billion, and by 2040, there'll be 9 billion people on the planet. So again, it's like having a house. And you start off with 10 people, and now you've got a house, you know, Ten times that, people. So there's increasing population growth. Then we're told by Mr. Morrison, not by Mr. Joyce, because he doesn't believe in science, obviously, but by Mr. Morrison, that science is the answer. Now, it's interesting that he says science is the answer as far as uh, tackling the climate emergency, but science isn't the answer as far as the uh, facts and figures surrounding the climate emergency are concerned. But he says science is the answer. Well, science ultimately isn't the answer. We can put back the climate emergency via, you know, sophisticated scientific uh, apparatuses and changes, but ultimately... Science is not the answer. It's a fixed land mass. It's got increasing population growth and it's got finite resources. You heard that word, finite resources. There is so much gold on the planet. There is so much uranium on the planet. There is so much lithium on the planet. There is so much coal on the planet. There is so much... Iron ore on the planet and the list goes on and on. So all those minerals which are fundamental for a post-industrial society are beginning to be in short supply. So what's the issue? The major issue that has driven us to this point where the United Nations claims its Code Red for Humanity and the Morrison-led Liberal National Coalition claim its business as usual for Australia, what has led to this situation is the domination of almost every aspect of human existence on the concept of private investment for private profit. That's the domination Private investment for private profit. So, we now have, over the last 40 years, created an economic system which is driving CO2 emissions. We've created an economic system which dominates the parliamentary process, which ensures that representatives who are elected to parliament do their bidding, not the bidding of the people they represent. And that's the issue. Private investment for private profit. So if you want to tackle the... So we've got an economic system which is based on privatisation, deregulation, globalisation and corporatisation, all the things which are necessary to destroy finite resources. We have a society which is based on the concept of consumption for consumption's sake. And the way to make a profit is to invent something which people don't need, you know, manufactured need. Manufactured needs. We have a society which is driven consumption for consumption's sake based on the concept of manufactured need. For example... Just today we heard members of the government talking about we need to increase skilled migrant intake into this country. Now, I hate to tell you this, but there was 100,000 asylum seekers and refugees who would love to be members of this country, and they're here. Most of them are not offshore, but most of them are now living in Australia. Most of them have had to, haven't had their cases processed for years. They'd love to be. We don't need to import people. They're here. They're willing to work. They want to be good Australian citizens. But we forget about it. So think about it. You want change. Think about how the major political parties have now been dominated by a legacy media which sets the political, social, cultural, economic agenda in this country which benefits benefits vested interests. And if you don't believe me, look around you. Who is bearing the brunt of the COVID-19 pandemic? Is it the bureaucrats who can work from home? No. It's those who get paid the least, who provide the frontline services, who have the greatest risk I've been infected, and when they're infected, they're blamed for being infected. Think about it. This is the situation, and I know I, I use this fact every day, every 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 week, I should say. I do use it every day. How can a country as rich as us, with a miserable population of 25 million people, out of a population of, I think it's 7.8 billion, 25 million out of $7.8 billion, you know where I'm going, living on a continent, how can we continue to accept the fact that almost a million children live in poverty in this country? When I see the Smith family, a private charity, forced to raise money to put Australian kids through the public education sector because their parents or their guardians or their caregivers don't have enough money to finance what is supposedly a free, equitable public education sector. I know there's something grossly wrong in this country. I mean, every time I walk into this studio in Smith Street in Fitzroy, that's the side of the street we're riding on, on the other side, I have to walk past people begging. I didn't do that 10 years or 15 years ago. And every time I get a phone call and a message from somebody who is now homeless and there's nothing I can do personally in that situation, I begin to understand how critical critical the situation has become in this country and it shouldn't be like this we are potentially the richest country in the world although we may be the biggest co2 emitters in the world per head of per head of population we are also potentially the richest country in the world but what do we see we see people having to live on you know 350. You know, $250 a week. And we see people squirreling away billions of dollars. And who are the heroes? Who are the heroines? Those with billions of dollars. And we call ourselves an egalitarian society. Now, I hate to tell you this, but they don't care if you protest. They don't care if you march in the streets. They don't care if you're, you know, the click activist number one, you know, number one, itchy bun click activist. They don't care. The only thing they care about is the next election. And if they've got to divide people and talk about a country, city, you know, divide, they will divide people. If they need to divide people because of the language people speak, because of their cultural background, because of their gender, their gender orientation, because they're Indigenous or, you know, they will. They will use every trick in the book, and we've seen every trick in the book being used over the last, you know, 50 years to ensure they are re-elected. And the tragedy is, and this is a tragedy, Every time somebody is elected into federal parliament in the majority of cases, which is not a member of the major political party or the Greens, they turn out to be some ratbag who's jumped on a bandwagon that divides the nation. So isn't it about time that we had showed a bit of attitude instead of cringing away, complaining, Constantly. In a time we showed a bit of attitude. Because irrespective of the circumstances we find ourselves in, whether it's a COVID nineteen lockdown, whether we're unemployed, whether even if we're even if we're homeless, it's the attitude that matters. It's the fact that you don't accept the situation you find yourself in. You refuse to accept that situation. And if you refuse that to accept that situation, you need to be part of a greater organisation or a greater group. And I say every week, I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interests because this particular group highlights many of the issues which I speak about on this program, week after week after week after week. And what I find quite extraordinary is the amount of people who are willing to complain about the situation they find themselves in and the very few who are willing to show some attitude and take some action. And that's the dilemma. Somehow we have been put to sleep. We've been euthanized, euthanized through the World Wide Web, euthanized through the mass media euthanized through sport euthanized you know through cultural endeavors and the list goes on and on it's as if we have become totally depoliticized as a society and all we can do is hope helplessly look on at what's happening around us and actually not taking up any issue, as if, oh, somebody should do something about that. I'm a card carrying member of the somebody should do something about that tribe. But I'm not going to do something about that because oh, it's all too hard, isn't it? You can't fight City Hall. And if you're not a member of the something should do some some somebody should do something about that tribe. You can always join the gunner tribe, Australia's second biggest tribe. And the great thing about the gunner tribe, they don't care about your sexual orientation or the, your culture or the language you speak or whether you're young or old, sick or infirm or, you know, physically able. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And nothing ever happens. And that's dilemma. It's all very well for me as an individual and as a member of various organisations, you know, to talk about the situation. But if you want change, you need to do two things. You need to tear up your membership card of the gunner tribe, and you need to tear up your membership card of the somebody should do something about that. Somebody should do something about that tribe, because ultimately, we. That's right, W-E. We are the people we've been waiting for. Not our religious leaders, not secular leaders, not ossified institutions, not those pathetic attempts by governments to divert us, you know, divert our complaints into into organisations which they establish to, you know, tie us up in red tape. But we are the people we've been waiting for. And that's why I encourage people to join public interest before corporate interests as soon as possible. Because you want change, you need to do something about it. You don't want change, that's fine. But stop complaining. Don't ring me and complain. Don't SMS me and complain. Don't email me and complain if you're not willing to do something about it. Because ultimately... Life is about attitude. It doesn't matter the situation we find ourselves in. It's the attitude that we have to that situation. If we allow that situation to bury us, if we allow that situation to stymie us as individuals and as groups, then nothing will ever change. you listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Transurban Dreaming. <sighs> Look, there are some corporations which are pure, purely evil. And Transurban and its shareholders is one of those corporations because they love making money through monopolies which are handed to them by governments. Now I'm familiar with the transurban story in Victoria, because I've lived here for over forty years. And the Kennett Liberal Party gave transurban a contract which is incredible when you get in sea of it. Incredible. Not only did it give them a monopoly which extended for I think 25 years in terms of charging tolls from a tunnel under the river which they've recouped, their costs now billions of dollars. They also tied in recovery of debt to the legal System and use the Victorian police and the Victorian legal system to automatically reclaim their debts? What other corporation has the privilege of using this country's enforcement agencies to collect its debts for it? And it gets better. When trans, when the little tunnel, and it is a little tunnel, was uh, carved under the Yarra in Melbourne, they were also given private, so they were given public roads, which became private roads uh, to the uh, entry and the exit of the tunnel. Kilometers of roads which the public taxpayer had paid for suddenly became toll roads. Now, in an effort to ensure, as its 25-year monopoly was coming to an end, to ensure that it continued to exercise a monopoly and extract extraordinary amounts of money from people travelling on their so-called roads, and 50% or 70% of that road was public road, they now have come to a deal with the so-called... Labour government in Victoria to build a new tunnel. And the deal is they were going to spend about three billion dollars building this new tunnel, but they, their monopoly on the old tunnel will be extended another twenty years and also have a monopoly on the new tunnel. Now transurban executives came out in public last week crying, upset. Visibly upset. And I'm thinking people have caused so much damage and heartache and ruined so many families and individuals in this state Are now crying and they're upset. And you know why they are upset? Because the contract they signed with the state government and the contract they signed with private contractors to build this new tunnel has run into a few hiccups. And now they want you... The taxpayer, that's right, to pick up that three point five billion hiccup and pay it. That's right, they want the the private companies which they contracted with to pay their this debt, and they want you the taxpayer to pay this blowout in their costs. Now many years ago when I was an idiot, I was involved in, you know, building a house and There were blowouts to the contract. That blowout, the money for that blowout came out of my pocket because it was my private investment in building my home. Now, they want to build us to pay over $3 billion for their incompetence and stupidity. Extraordinary. And the way things are going, I can imagine the Andrews-led Labor government, bending over backwards and giving them taxpayers' money in order to complete their pathetic little project. Take it away from them. End their monopoly. Look, I don't mind paying tolls, as long as the tolls go to the state government and then they go into consolidated revenue then they can be used to build more roads. But why should we be paying tolls to private corporations who were given public land, public roads, who were given contracts which you could only dream about in their favour in these so-called private-public partnerships. It's extraordinary. And now they come out crying, hats in their hands, saying, please, please, we need $3.5 billion. We need it now. Otherwise, our, our, our investors will leave us. They won't get the dividends they get every year. My heart bleeds. My heart bleeds. I can't believe it. It bleeds. Right. Well, you think I'm making this up. I'm not. It's pathetic. The old story, you know the old story? Privatise the gains, socialise the losses. It's the old corporate story, isn't it? When they're making... Bucks, hand over fist, pay minimal taxation, they're happy. Their investors are happy. But when they start losing a bit of money because of their own, you know, stupidity, they want us, yeah, you and me, to bail them out. Come on. The sooner this company leaves this country, the better off we'll be. Obviously, they've got investments overseas now, so let them go overseas. Let's make them. If you want to do a toll road, let's build it. Pay tolls. Tolls go to the various state governments. Those tolls are then used to help build more roads or help build community infrastructure or whatever, not go into the pockets of private investors who demand, who demand that we socialise their losses you to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, it's interesting what's happening in China, because whether you like it or not, China has 25% of the world's population, and it's gone on a course of fast-paced industrialization. and it has a very authoritarian, centralised government but what it did about 30 years ago, in the late 1980s it opened up the, um, the economic system to the private sector and it's quite interesting that what we've seen in China is the very problems we see in this country when capitalism, private investment for private profit, takes a hold on the economic system. But over the last few months, we've seen the Chinese Communist Party put a handbrake on 19th century capitalism. Because the gig, the gig economy, which now dominates you know, the uh, world stock market, the gig economy is basically 19th century capitalism. And everybody thinks it's wonderful, getting your takeaway by an Uber driver who's paid pittance, you know, as a private contractor. You all think it's wonderful. And we all think it's wonderful when people go to, you know, one of these places in, in the sky and you buy shit, you know, you buy shit you don't need. You think it's wonderful. And you think it's wonderful when you jump into a taxi, you know. The reality is, who makes money? Who makes the money? Does the money go to the workers who do the work? No. They're employed as private contractors with no rights whatsoever. And we've had this little debate now going on for over a decade in this country. Does the money go to the provider who provides the goods and services? No. Because they can pay up to 20 to 25% for that privilege of having their shit delivered. Or their shit you know, going through the net or whatever. And you know, you've got all these companies which say compare, compare the market, compare the market, compare the market. I mean, I had an interesting experience a few weeks ago. I had to book a hotel or a motel room. And I don't use, the, I don't use these platforms. I think they're, they're bad for the user and they're bad for the provider. I rang up a particular hotel and I was offered a 15% discount on the spot on the spot because I made a direct contact with that particular service provider no service provider likes giving away their profit to some platform which exploits their workers in order to provide you with with that with particular service so obviously you do have a choice as an individual consumer do you use these services or don't you use these services you have a choice You always have a choice as far as using or not using these services. So it's interesting the Chinese Communist Party or the Chinese government has now put a handbrake on the gig economy not because it, it challenges their absolute power but because it's creating social divisions and inequality and those social divisions and inequalities is what feeds discontent and protest. It's interesting. This is something that they've done in the last two or three months. Now, another thing I'd like to talk about, and again, again, China. Now, what does Afghanistan, Australia and the USA have in common? Think about it. It's a riddle. What does Afghanistan, Australia and the USA have in common? Well, we both have or had, wonderful relationships with the United States of America, okay? Wonderful relationships. They invaded Afghanistan, then they decided to stay there for a few decades, and they introduced a pluralistic parliamentary democracy. So, you know, it's like us, isn't it? We do joint military exercise with the United States of America, uh, we, um, we have uh, United States bases in this country at Pine Gap and other places we're not even aware of. We have a rotation United States troops coming into Darwin every few months. So we supposedly have a really nice, cosy relationship as a country the United States of America. Well, you know what? Even the Morrison-led government is having cold feet about the situation. Because when, it's come, when push has come to shove, what has the United States of America done regarding Afghanistan? It has come to an agreement with the Taliban, a medieval force, to retake Afghanistan. Because it got bored with the effort and the capital needed to keep you know, Afghanistan going. Now, do you think, now that we've taken the front-line position as far as China is concerned in this country, where the Morrison-led Liberal National Party has done everything it can to uh, annoy the Chinese panda, you know, pulled its nose, stuck, stuck its fingers in its side on behalf of the United States of America, do you think if push comes to shove... The United States of America would honour its commitments to Australia. Do you really think we are any different to Afghanistan? That if push came to shove, that the United States of America wouldn't think of its own interests first and the interests of Australia second? And considering the amount of time, effort, money that's involved in this relationship between the USA and Australia, that we are getting the protection, which we supposedly are getting? Well, obviously we're not. And uh, we've seen that um, the Morrison-led government is so concerned about the fact that you cannot rely on the United States to keep its word that it is now going to send the foreign minister... Overseas for face-to-face meetings with India, Japan, Indonesia, people in our region. Think about it. All those of you who think the US-Australian military alliance is some type of protection for us as a sovereign nation, state, you know, in the southern Pacific, think again. Because what the United States has demonstrated is it's quite happy to desolate other countries if it suits its political and, more importantly, economic interests. But it's more than happy to turn its back on its allies if it doesn't suit their political and domestic interests. Think about it. That's the beauty about listening to the anarchist world this week. We kind of get you thinking in different directions and that's what this is all about now i'd like to come back to the country regional divide because the city regional divide because this is going to be the big debating issue for the next federal election the federal government knows it can't flog the refugee can anymore because there are no refugees coming across to australia it knows It's really kicked the Indigenous can as far as it goes. It knows that it's no longer, you know, nice, nice to kick the gender can. It's learning slowly. So it needs a new division. It needs to create a new division in society so it can hold on to its seats in Australia's regional area which provide it with its platform. And obviously the first strategy will be is to make workers who are living off industries which are basically economically redundant, like the fossil fuel industry, feel that the only way that they can actually survive is by voting for them. And that tactic worked brilliantly in central Queensland at the last federal election. And now that the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change has called a Code Red for Humanity, what the federal government will try to do is divide Australians on the basis of where they live, as if the climate emergency doesn't affect regional Australia and rural Australia and people living in the cities. And that's what will be the big debating point. Somehow there's a difference between the regions and the cities. There is no difference. Poverty is endemic in regional Australia. Dissatisfaction is endemic in regional Australia. And we've seen that with parties like the Shooters, uh, Fishers and whatever, gaining state seats in rural regional areas during the New South Wales election. So they will be beating that drum that somehow there's a difference between us because of where we live. There is no difference. The issues are the same. The issues are climate emergency, growing inequality, growing poverty, housing issues, access to public health, access to public education. When you look at all those questions you find that people in regional and rural Australia who continue consistently to vote for the National Party and the Liberal Party find themselves at the cutting edge. They're the ones who suffer as far as public education is concerned, public services are concerned, public health is concerned. So why would the government think that by beating the regional city Drum that somehow people in the regions I say so, so stupid they'll continue to support them. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Satellite. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, a little job for you to do go to the cupboard, pull out your membership card for the Gunner Tribe. Pull out your membership card for somebody should do something about that tribe and throw it in the fireplace. If you haven't got a fireplace, tear it up, chuck it in the bin. You want change? Remember, we are the people we've been waiting for. New political movements, new social movements, new cultural movements are possible and they'll continue to be possible while inequality increases not just inequality in terms of wealth but inequalities in terms of power you're listening to the anarchist world this week broadcast across australia via the community radio network this program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au the program is podcast you can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au if you don't like the program don't listen in next week life is too short to waste doing things you don't want to do If you like the program, send it to your friends, send it to your enemies, let them know there are people thinking in a different way, marching to a different drum, who still think that change is possible, not only possible but desirable, and that change will come, irrespective of vested interests, continuing to dominate every aspect of our existence on what should be the most richest, egalitarian community on the face of planet Earth. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Listen in next week, courtesy of the community radio satellite. And uh, as I keep saying on this program, I can talk to the cows come home, but talk is cheap. Action is important. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of Death Construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country We need to end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace, a treaty means equality, and a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.